0: Hello and welcome to our podcast, we're calling it The Hunch because we believe you get the best ideas from people when they're relaxed, when they're with friends, and rather than giving you the corporate line, they give you their best guess, their gut feeling, their hunch. I'm Mark Schmid and in each episode I'll be talking to someone who can give us the lowdown on something that will transform their sector, our society or even our everyday lives. Today, I'm with Lucy Cranwell-Ward, who set up Upskill Me to address social inequality in the UK. Lucy connects business to young people who might otherwise be overlooked, as regrettably, it's still the case that who you know or who your family is connected with often has the greatest bearing on your future prospects. So I'm here with Lucy Cranwell-Ward of Upskill Me. Hi, Lucy. Hi, Mark. We first met when you were a people person that sounds good doesn't it? you still are of course But by that I mean you were looking after talent and uh, personal development at a, a, a mega agency um but things have changed quite a lot since then tell me a little bit about how you got to where you are now and what you're doing now
1: yeah definitely gosh that was many years ago um at uh yeah very very well-known agency which was a um, fantastic experience but I guess the things that I was doing when I worked there inspired me to want to pursue my own journey, my own journey into entrepreneurship. Um, I guess social entrepreneurship, in a way. I guess one of the things that I worked on when I was there was a an in, bringing in an inclusive internship program to democratize access to the industry and to encourage young people from all different backgrounds who may not have had the connections to get into the industry, which is notoriously quite difficult to get into without those connections and when we set up this program we really went reached out to different pools of talent different places where we didn't normally get interns from such as schools universities colleges youth centers and what I found was that there are so many talented young people that may not have ever heard about the industry didn't have the right connections that are hugely creative very innovative a range of experiences that was ultimately vital to create creative campaigns. But they didn't they weren't aware of the industry and it was also very difficult for business to access these pools of talent. It was very time consuming to reach schools. So it was a, just a huge gap, a huge gap between I guess education and the world of work which makes it difficult for businesses to connect with young, diverse talent. And it makes it difficult for young people who don't have connections to get into an industry which they have potentially never even heard about. And when you're in school, <laughs> you don't really learn about the advertising industry or the creative industry or technology. So there's a massive gap which I wanted to solve using technology and by creating a network. So that's where it kind of all began.
0: And when you mention about the connections that people often have to, to, to get into industries like advertising, by that you mean kind of family and friends who are able to make the right introductions or, or, or help them with work experience and, and such like?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, who your parents are and what they do in the UK can really determine your future. And it really starts at the work experience level. So oftentimes in a school, They'll have about one to two weeks over the summer and teachers will ask the students to find their own work experience placements. Obviously, you know, schools don't have a a bank of employers and resources. They They can't fund it themselves or make it happen. So students will then, you know, go to their parents, go to their networks. I need a work experience placement. Can you help me? And of course, parents are going to do absolutely everything they can they're going to reach out to their networks and oftentimes you'll get students in the same school who are working at a law firm or a creative industry through you know their parents have had a dinner party and they've asked for work experience and the students who are in a workless household or their parents you know they don't know anyone in their sector they can't access that that sector and it really starts from there because then you have on your CV this really well-known brand agency company, and when it comes to going for an internship, going for your first graduate job, you've got that on your CV, and you've got that because your parents have been able to help you. So, of course, you want to help your children, but if you don't have those connections, then you're you're really limited by potentially who you know and who your parents are, and that's a really big problem in the UK.
0: Mm, it's just saying that, I, I think of all the times I've looked at CVs in, in various roles. And yes, it does stand out when someone's had work experience somewhere impressive. And have I thought enough about how that happened? And that that obviously through no fault of the individual, that is probably happened through a a personal or or family connection. They still have to make the most of the opportunity, of of course, but it has been delivered from them. Whereas other people may just not have that opportunity. So the scheme you were working on was trying to almost Fish from a different pool, I guess.
1: Yes, exactly. It was trying to democratise access to the company and the agency and provide routes in for, for everyone. And, and by doing that, you know, as a company, you do have to be proactive. You can't just put it on your website and expect people to know about it. You've got to go into schools. You've got to go into community. You've got to connect with these other organisations, other places to make yourself visible. So that's why it's so important for employers to do things like outreach, to go into schools, um, to start telling that story from as early as possible so you build awareness so that people will go to your career site to find those opportunities. So that's why it's, uh, yeah, really important being proactive.
0: So tell me about how you transitioned from, from doing what you were doing to moving into this new entrepreneurial world.
1: I guess I was very curious about entrepreneurship and startups and in the UK what that meant so I started going to events at Google Campus which is no more and just just going to to lots of kind of events around starting a company hearing other pitches and it just became something that I was really really interested in I think I guess I was always interested in business because at school I did the Young Enterprise program. I'm not sure if you've heard of Young Enterprise where I set up my own company. I was the managing director and I guess that sparked like a passion for entrepreneurship and running my own business. And um, I guess I, I started different things on the side. I was doing it at the weekends. I started a newsletter. I, I just iterated. I spoke to people and I guess one day I just made the decision to actually start, my own company. And I didn't really have any investors. I didn't have any knowledge of technology, any money, but it got to a point where I had done my research had spoken to people, realized that there was a big problem and just went for it and um, hoped for the best. And I think six months later, we got into a tech for good accelerator. We got funding from Europe's leading tech for good investors, Bethlehem Green Ventures, and it all just kind of accelerated from there really. But it just started with a crazy decision to quit my job.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's where a lot of the great ideas come from. Of course, you know that that moment just to kind of set free and take a risk and and, and go for it. So I'm so pleased it's worked out for you. How would you describe for us what Upskill Me is and does?
1: So Upskill Me is a we have a blended approach whereby we our mission is to support young people from all backgrounds to gain the skills, connections, and knowledge to thrive in their future, and we deliver that through a blended program. So on one hand, we have a platform a careers platform, which helps young people to learn about key skills, build a record of achievement and discover employers through things like profile pages. On the other hand, we deliver in-person programs. So we have a female STEM talent program and we also help employers work with schools through industry societies. So essentially, young people who are part of our network not only have a careers platform to showcase themselves, learn about key skills and discover in different industries, but they actually get to meet employers through the various programs that we run. If you're in an industry society, you may start to work on a project-based learning task. You'll then go to employees' employers' offices and present. So we really believe that a blended approach with this age group is the best way to actually empower students, raise aspirations and improve confidence.
0: And what age group is it you're targeting?
1: Our platform is actually for anyone aged from 13 to about 20. But a lot of our employability programmes are for students who are in sixth form. So if they're in year 12, so that they can come out to employers' offices slightly easier than if you're in the younger years. So, yeah, but we do support young people from 13 to 20.
0: And what view do you find that sixth formers have of business these days what are they looking for has that changed at all
1: i think that young people really lack i guess just awareness of what businesses do lots of students actually study business study a level it's a really popular a level but when you ask them questions about like what kinds of businesses exist that you know that you're you know you're studying the theory of business but um there is that real lack of understanding about the different kind of industries that they could go into and also a lack of understanding as to for example Like most of the largest banks are now tech companies. Lots of companies are now increasingly tech companies, but young people don't really understand that a bank is a bank and you are a banker. But actually, it's it's technology that's powering a a lot of these companies. So it's really trying to help demystify these organizations and teach young people about the types of roles that exist. And it's a very difficult task to do. There are over 10,000 different job roles. So how can you educate young people on so many different job roles, which is why getting them real life examples of the different types of businesses that exist is so vital. So I think that, yeah, I think there's a lot of work to do. I don't think they realize how big technology is in terms of changing the world of work. And it's a real shame because that's where there are infinite jobs being created within that sector. But then if you look at the numbers of students studying computer science, it's very, very low compared to most of the other subjects.
0: Mm. That's amazing, isn't it? Because the the opportunities in computer science and and coding and programming are are absolutely huge. I imagined that many more young people would be uh, alive to those possibilities, but it sounds not.
1: No, I um, I think that the tech sector in general has a lot of work to do with schools. There's a huge skills gap in the UK, which is costing us, I think, six billion pounds every year. And it's only getting worse, especially with things like the metaverse. Who's going to build the metaverse? We need engineers. We need tech talent. And that story isn't being told effectively in schools. Um, so... And computer science is is just not a popular A-level. I think about 7% of A-level candidates are actually women as well. So there's a diversity issue as well. Mm. So ultimately, Mark, it just needs employers to work more closely with schools, to tell that story, to inspire young people, to make the right course subject decisions early on. And that's where I I just think employers need to work more closely with schools.
0: Mm. Well, I'll certainly be uh, pushing my children when they're the right age into... uh, (laughs) Those kind of subjects, uh, I think, for sure. Interestingly, actually, we were watching Premier League on Amazon Prime the other evening, and one of my children was talking about, you know, the TV business and, you know, Amazon Prime and all of those things. And I said, well, yeah, it's a logistics business. It's a technology business which has added in all of the movies and and the, the sports as an added value to the logistics. But at its core, it's logistics. And suddenly that made, to a young person, it sound a lot less interesting. But of course, when you learn about business, you know, suddenly all these pieces come together. So I think it's fascinating what you said, Lucy, is business can educate sixth formers about what really is driving this bank, this broadcaster, and it all comes back often to to their technology. And so if you can become well-versed in the technology platforms, then You're set fair in many respects for employment, but it's interesting to hear your perspective that that's not really coming through at school at the moment. I had a look before we spoke at a social mobility barometer that YouGov did, I think, for the government. And some of the the figures here really um, uh, surprised me. One that stuck out was that 35% of people in the UK, only 35%, believe that everyone has a fair chance to go as far as their hard work will take them. Is that a figure that you'd recognise in the work you've done?
1: Yeah, definitely. I have heard that before. And it's and it's really sad to think that in the UK, you feel that your life outcomes and where you will ultimately end up in society is dictated by where you grow up and what your parents do. Unfortunately, it is the case. The reality is that we live in a society in which, you know, where you grow up, severely impacts your life chances Um, and there's other statistics to support that for example those from better backgrounds are 80% more likely to end up in a professional job and also the top professions are actually dominated by the 7% of the population that have been privately educated. It's it's really sad to see and it's unfortunately in the UK um, much worse than many other European countries and I think that we've got a lot of work to do with regards to trying to change that picture um, by, you know, things like other other alternative routes. You don't just have to go to university. Apprenticeships are very good for social mobility. Um, Employers working more closely with schools to provide the opportunities which their parents may not be able to afford. Things like that. And, you know, if you look at other countries, for example, Germany, has much better social mobility. They have a, a really high proportion of young people that go into apprenticeships rather than just the university route because it provides vocational routes and access to industries which are which are well paid, which are you know thriving industries. So there's a lot to say around alternative routes to progression and helping to level the playing field. And things like that may have an impact in terms of how people feel about their life chances.
0: Mm, that's interesting I wasn't aware of the, the the German perspective on this I was fortunate enough to go to university and actually my business partner Tim who I've set this business up with we met at university so university was, was kind of great for us but I, I have seen that uh, over the many years between now and then whereas and I'm guessing here maybe 10-20% of my classmates at school went to university. That figure now, I don't know, might be more than 50%. And I guess from, from from what you're saying is that that route has become seen as a shortcut for success, but actually there are many other ways, other routes that you can go to succeed.
1: Yeah, and I think the university one is, is really important because I think back in, I guess, my my parents' generation and my mum, I think going to university was like a guaranteed way or a really good way that you would be able to access a more professional job. And the problem that we have now is that going to university does not guarantee you a well-paid professional job. There are so many graduates per every graduate job and you actually need a lot more than a good degree to access the best roles. You need to be in societies, you need to have had multiple internships. So in a way, young people there's um there was a really good documentary on bbc about this are we telling young people from disadvantaged backgrounds a lie that going to university will change their circumstances you actually just need a lot more and that's where sadly those connections can help because you get the internship so i think that university is great but it's no longer the case that if you go to university that's it you're guaranteed a really well-paid job because There are so many graduates who are in jobs where you don't need a degree. There's a lot of underemployment. So that's where those connections can really help. So it's just not not what it used to be, which is where the alternative routes coming into play, like apprenticeships, are great drivers of social mobility. You could work at a company like KPMG or PwC at 18, get a degree as well and be paid. And by the time you finish your apprenticeship, there are graduates coming in and you've got more experience under your belt. So, and I think that the UK government is trying to push apprenticeships a lot more. It's just quite slow moving. It, it's difficult to get the numbers up overnight because it's, it's quite an intensive programme. Mm-hmm.
0: And the, the benefits to society and, and the fairness argument are, are so, so strong. There is, of course, as well, a, a really valid economic argument here. And you mentioned earlier about STEM, And um, we have a chronic need to have more people doing those kind of that education, be it vocational or or other levels. Tell us a bit about what you're doing in, in the STEM arena.
1: We have, a, we have a program which addresses gender diversity in STEM. There aren't as many girls to computer science at GCSE, but at every level from GCSE to A level to university and then into a career, women are dropping off and dropping those STEM subjects and not going into STEM fields. And this is a really big issue for the employers that we work with who represent the technology, the engineering sectors they would ideally like to have a 50-50 split in all of their cohorts. But if there aren't enough women studying those subjects, continuing them at at university, it's really difficult to do that. So we set up a programme which connects about 150 female STEM students in year 12 with a range of employers over a six-month programme which goes through things like masterclasses, insight days and a graduation event to raise their aspirations, meet other women in STEM through mentoring so they understand what it's actually like to be a woman working in STEM, what the different roles are to build their confidence so they feel that STEM is a, is a place for them and they can continue those subjects at university. It's really sad that a lot of the girls in our program, this is, this is girls in, from over hundred schools all over England including Blackpool, Leeds, the Isle of Man. We've got girls from all over. A lot of them are the only ones in their computer science class. Imagine being the only girl or they're one of three in their science class. And it makes it really hard for them to put up their hand because it's, it's quite an intimidating environment. So we just create a safe space for them to connect, meet other female role models, um, tackle some of the barriers that they may be facing, things like imposter syndrome, confidence and resilience, and make them feel that they have a place and hopefully inspire them to join the companies or sponsor the program at a LA later date
0: that's that's uh really shocking some of those figures lucy and you mentioned role models do you th- obviously there's role models that through your programs you can you can provide almost on the ground but do you think at uh more of a national level we do need more female role models in science computing technology i mean there are obviously some very well-known people out there but probably not enough do we do we need to collectively do more as industry, media, and business to shine a light on all those women who are doing great things in those fields?
1: Absolutely. I think there are many, many role models. And I think it's just about amplifying their voices and connecting their voices with the next generation so that we can start to tell those stories. You know, do people like me work in that industry? If I don't see anyone that looks like me, I'm not going to feel like that's going to be an inclusive place so i think that definitely media tv and businesses definitely should be amplifying those voices telling those stories and things like the stem program which you're running is a way to do that but think other things that businesses could be doing would be going into schools running work experience programs um mentoring programs and and connecting those voices with young women so that they feel mm. empowered
0: and that's also the case of course for Um, people from black and ethnic minority backgrounds who aren't necessarily seeing uh, the role models and and aren't being inspired in that same way. And I saw in that same social uh, mobility barometer research that only 25 percent of people from black and ethnic minority backgrounds believe we live in a fair society. I mean, that's a horrible thing to hear, really, isn't it? That, you know, three quarters of the population actually think that society is unfair for them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's another, you know, shocking statistic. And especially in London, London is such a diverse city. I was in a school recently, I was in two schools. And the students that you meet when you go into state schools across London, it's such a diverse population. And it's heartbreaking to think that they believe that in London, getting on and getting into career isn't for them, that they're going to be held back. And again, it it comes back to, It comes back to employers working with schools, I think, more. Those students who come from underrepresented backgrounds need to see role models that look like them that have come from the same backgrounds. If you can't see it, how can you aspire to be something which you just don't see that exists? So I think that this is the case across media. This is the case across businesses. They need to be reflective of society because young people need to see people that look like them, that come from similar backgrounds, Otherwise, you're not going to feel it's an inclusive and, and diverse company. So yeah. it's, it's really important that employers do more in this area, yeah. particularly around getting into schools and telling those stories.
0: Mm. And I hear that in terms of the, the benefits to business and the really the obligation for business to do much more to, to combat inequality and help themselves at the same time. Are they pushing an open door with schools? I mean, are schools as enlightened and as aware of the the help they need from business to best equip their students
1: schools have an obligation um under the gatsby benchmarks there are eight gatsby benchmarks which they have to adhere to every year legally so that they are providing their students with informed choices and that includes things like employer encounters so schools many schools are actually trying their best but they are significantly stretched with regards to delivering the curriculum catching up on learning you know two years i was speaking to teachers so two years out of school has severely impacted things like literacy so they're trying to catch up they're trying to um, get students through their their exams and um, there's a lot to, a lot of learning to catch up on and they also have the careers are the Gatsby benchmark so schools are trying but unfortunately because they are so busy it's actually quite difficult to to get things booked in you know as much as they try and organize things like business visits which is where like we try and help out broker both sides we've got relationships with schools which has taken months and months and years and years to build we have relationships with businesses we'll make it easy for both parties to connect in a way which, if they did it directly, would probably take a lot longer. So there are other organisations doing this, like charities like the Princess Trust and Career Ready. These organisations make it easy for both sides to connect. So schools are trying to get help, but it's not easy. So I think a brokerage model or an organisation between is what's needed to translate the the needs on both sides.
0: That's a great point because I'm I'm in a small business and I, I could see immediately how... Unilever, Cisco, businesses like that um, would have the internal resource and you know drive and 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 desire to set up wide-reaching kind of education programs and work directly with schools. In a small business, it's a question of well, well where where do we start? You know, we, we potentially wouldn't be able to devote you know that much resource to actually building these relationships. And so I guess you're you're telling me that the kind of business that you run is that stepping stone between a business of whatever side and schools?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think most of our partners are fairly large organizations because they do have a CSR team, a philanthropy team. They do have like a volunteering policy and, and a lot some of the largest companies dedicate 1% of their profit to back to society, back to CSR and ESG. Um, so they have more time, more resources to dedicate. I think it is more difficult for small businesses because often I'm a small business, you know, you'll you'll have a small team, you're you're just trying to scale up. So definitely the employees that we work with are those larger companies, but it's not to say that a smaller company can kind of attend like a school like talk or something uh, in a way that might suit them potentially like a uh, school close to the office, things like that.
0: And so if businesses listening to this, you know, wanted to get involved with, you know, your, your female STEM programs or, or, or the, the the general kind of first foray into helping schools understand more about business, you know, what would you advise them to do?
1: I would definitely advise them to get in contact. We are running some industry societies next year, which is like an after-school club where students get to work on a project. For example, we have a law firm whereby um, the students will be working on a case and simulating what a junior solicitor might be doing. And it culminates in a, a court case So things like that, getting students to understand industry through exciting projects is something that we're really, really keen on on pushing. So if any employers that would like to get involved with our societies, our STEM program, info at upskillme.io is best.
0: I love the idea of that kind of real-life courtroom scenario. (laughs) I can imagine. It's going to
1: be really fun.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and and I I think sometimes, um, you know, business can do with, a little bit of drama in terms of how it's described and brung to life for people. It doesn't have to go kind of full succession uh, necessarily, but I think if we can, if we can make the next generation understand that, that, that business, business is serious, but it can also be, you know, serious fun as well. And you can enjoy your time at work and it can help you grow. And although, you know, one of the key missions is to, is to support, you and your family, as you get older, it can also be something re- really, really fulfilling if you get the right opportunity. And I guess that's what you guys are delivering. So Lucy, we would love to know what your hunch is to get a more socially mobile Britain.
1: I So I think, I've kind of already spoken about it throughout this episode, is I believe that businesses should be doing more with schools I believe that they have the resources, the budgets, the skills, the innate knowledge to actually solve this problem at scale. I believe that schools will have can only go so far. So my hunch would be almost creating a movement whereby employers really, really want to, to be part of this and they make larger commitments and um We It it just becomes a a bigger priority and more visible. And I think the more businesses that kind of take part in this and start telling that story about the outcomes and the impact that they're having, I know that other businesses will follow. So my hunch would just be helping employers get into schools for long term impactful, uh, I guess, partnerships, because Sometimes a day or one talk is great, but we know that it's proven a longer term partnership with a school or a range of schools uh, will have more impact in the long run than a shorter current impact. So definitely getting businesses into schools and we want to be the ones that, <laughs> that help that journey would be, would be my hunch. Definitely.
0: Well, that's a really positive note to, to end on Lucy, because I mean, some of those figures we discussed earlier are, are, are quite depressing and Look, to be honest, particularly in this country, there's been hundreds of years of kind of class systems, you know, Downton Abbey style, upstairs, downstairs, style. We've, all, we've all seen it. And we think that things have improved and they hopefully have, but slowly. But it's really good to kind of get your view that if business kind of puts its shoulders to the wheel a bit and really engages, we can begin to make our society fairer. And also it can have a really positive economic impact as well.
1: Absolutely. And we can solve some of the skills gaps and we can upskill the next generation to build the next version of the Internet, build the newest technology companies in the UK. So um, it does benefit everyone.
0: Let's do it. Let's get on board with upskill me. Let's start to make a bit of a difference here and make our society a better, fairer place to live for uh, all that come behind us. That's excellent, Lucy. Thanks so much.
1: Brilliant. Thanks, Mark.
0: Thank you for listening. Follow me, Mark Schmid, or our company, Simmons & Schmid, on LinkedIn or Twitter for news of our next episode.